This is the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Sit back and enjoy. Welcome to another episode of Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by armchair critics of the game. I'm your host, Ajit. Today, we have a special guest from the Twitterverse, who's rather well-known in the circles that we ourselves are, let's say, present. Welcome to the podcast, Abhishek. And uh, of course, you are well-known by El Chopernos on Twitter, right? Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ajit. Uh, very nice being here. Uh, thanks for inviting me. Ah, no worries, you know, having a chat about so much cricket going on. So, first of all, I think uh, before we get into the games that are going on and some reviews, right? So, uh, have you played cricket yourself at any level and what has been your experience doing that? Yeah, I mean, growing up in India, it's it's uh, very hard to stay away from cricket. And I think I was uh, uh, brought up into cricket uh, in some way, because both my parents were uh, big fans of the game. Uh, my mother uh, tells me that uh, Kapil Dev was her absolute favorite and one of my first memories in my uh, in the first home that I remember living in is a poster of Kapil Dev on the on the back of the uh, you know uh, the door of one of the rooms. And so I guess it started back then. My first memories of Watching cricket are probably in the 1992 World Cup. Uh, not that I understood it a lot back then, but I mean, since then, uh, I've been watching the game. I've been playing it myself uh, in school, etc. It's obviously a little more unorganized in small town India where I come from. Uh, but I think the most organized level of cricket that I've come, uh, I've played in, is uh, for my engineering college. Um, I was an opening batsman and uh, a wicketkeeper and sometimes I used to roll my arm over for a leg break or two. So uh, I had a great deal of fun doing it, uh, got injured, uh, got absolutely battered by pace bowlers uh, and uh, hit a few shots too. So yeah, I mean, looking back on it gives me a great deal of pleasure and satisfaction. Good to hear. Good to hear. Well, I'm a kindred spirit. I blow, I bowl legs, leg breaks as well when I'm on the cricketing field. I would like to, and I bat in the middle order. But nice to hear. And yeah, nice. go on. I, I broke a finger last season, so that can happen, right? So part and parcel yeah, yeah. of our game is the injuries that we sometimes take. But all right. Mm-hmm. Uh, good to hear you have played some cricket, and you know it. It always changes your perspective the moment you've actually gone out there and played some leather ball cricket. You know, yes. you know what the game Absolutely. is all about and why it is yeah. so well respected. Anyway, um, plenty of cricket to get through, so I think we should get cracking. So, first of all, are you following the India women's uh, test against England? That's currently underway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I've been looking forward to it uh, since the time it was announced. And uh, to be very honest, uh, it's it's not something that I've followed right from the beginning. Uh, 
in terms of uh, the journey that india women's cricket has taken but uh, of late i've been trying to follow it if if not watch it all the time but at least follow it on trickinfo and other places and on twitter uh, following those specific people who follow the game so that i get to know regular updates etc and uh, yeah i mean it's it's just been uh, a wonderful day and a half or almost two days of cricket now and uh, whatever be the result it's it's a wonderful experience to see that happening in front of your eyes absolutely absolutely no i understand that uh, you know this is a special special game always when women's tests are held and it's always a very nice thing for us fans to follow well if you are a indian test match fan or indian women's test match fan you might not really enjoy it unfortunately because uh, well uh, in the last half an hour or so indian uh, batsmen have slipped a little bats batters have slipped a little because well first of all england made a very competitive 396 for 9 right so that was thanks to a wonderful uh, contribution from the last two pairs of batsmen batsmen so in this case um look england had a solid start yesterday so the indian women the spinners made a really good comeback so from 3 for 236 it could have been you know a, a very dangerous or a large total but um the spinners made a comeback and they took uh, six wickets by end of test close first day but uh, you know uh, heather knight the captain was really unlucky to miss out on 100 she made 95 solid scores from the top four right so and then sophia dunkley remained not out over right but then she started stitching together some good partnerships first with elvis then kathleen brunt but then what happened is sophia eccleston and anya shropsol very experienced cricketers but they then put on more than 130 runs for the last two uh, partnerships that went through and from 270 for 6 to 70 for 7 england went to 396 for 9 where they were comfortable to declare and look 400 if you make batting first that's a decent, decent score right uh in india's uh, spin analysis um sneha rana has taken a four four and deepthi sharma took three while uh, timeless julan goswami took one and pooja vastakar took one as well so what do you think i mean now uh, before we go any further unfortunately i told you the indian bad batters have let slip a little because from 167 for no loss they have slipped to 183 for five that means mandana is yep Smriti Mandana is 78 out. Shafali Verma missed out on a well-deserved 100 on debut, 96. Uh, but then Poonam Raut was the number three and took up some time, but she is dismissed for two. Shikha Pandey was a, I think, a night watchman, uh, sort of promoted a bit earlier than needed, but she was out for a duck. The most crucial wicket, Mithali Raj out for two. So it's Harman Preet and Deepthi at the crease now, and they're just going to probably see the day out, right? But it is something unexpected. So. Uh, i would say by the end of second day's play england have a strong hand now what do you think how do you think that the rest of the test will pan out no i mean when when uh, we started this podcast i was i was watching the game and uh, uh, this one uh, shafali had lost her wicket i wasn't you know honestly too bothered about 9600 etc it's uh, never been a major concern for me and i when i came to start the podcast uh, this one had uh, mandana had just come back from her break and the thought that was lingering in my mind is that such breaks you know can often be a little uh, uh, terrible for your concentration uh, and your focus and she was in a very good space before she took that break uh, unfortunately that she lost her wicket and the others uh, have you know sort of followed her uh, back into the hut 
very very soon so yeah i mean it's it's definitely england in the driver's seat now and uh, uh, i don't really know how we are going to come back from this uh, i was reading uh, this comment from adam collins on twitter where he was saying that you know just to set up the game a little bit india must probably declare right now and then you know england should uh, probably make a few more runs and give india a chaseable total just to set up the game and see if a result can be achieved i think uh, uh, that comments utility is no longer there now because mm-hmm. uh, the indian women have conspired to give a result to this test let's just see how it pans out i mean it's it's not great news at all right now and uh, yeah definitely expected better from them mm-hmm. but you know i as i was saying on twitter the other day uh, it's just the fact that uh, you know test match temperament or long format temperament is is a thing in its own uh, you get better at it by doing it regularly uh, not sure how many chances indian women really get and uh, the fielding effort for all all of yesterday and a little bit of today would have not helped in terms of fitness uh, yeah and also the fact that you know the lower order partnerships always uh, take out a lot from you not just physically but also mentally so yeah i, I guess those are factors that are playing out right now and uh, it's it's not great news at all well look uh, islanders batting against indian attacks in tests this is a sort of a deja vu isn't it and uh, of course i think each team has to overcome this uh, for themselves it's not like uh, um you know even every new generation of the team has to again overcome it for itself because uh, trying to wrap it up before you really get into some trouble that's not always so easily done i guess and therefore uh, you know okay uh, it's it's still you know they're not out of it yet they have suddenly let's say lost more wickets than they would have liked no doubt but uh, i'm going to say i'm going to still back the indian women's team to make a real match out of it if they can get to within 75 80 of england score that means they have to cross yeah. 300 of course if they do that they give themselves a chance then you know if they are out just after lunch or something tomorrow then england has about two two and a half sessions if they want to try and put something together maybe declare um, with 80 85 hours left because you, you know they play 100 hours each day so yes yeah. give themselves a real shot 80 lasting 80 hours even in the last day would not be easy i we know we've seen yeah, this absolutely. absolutely and this is a used pitch let's not forget it that it, this is a used pitch right Yeah I mean they've already uh, played a 40 over match on this one earlier and uh, whatever I've seen of the English bowling by uh, Shifali and uh, Mandana were able to get India off to a great start I do think that uh, the English bowlers never really lost their line and length uh, I mean Kate Cross or Shapsol or uh, Eccleston all of them were you know uh, at it all the time and so uh the pressure is only going to be on india if they are you know uh, given a chase in the in the last innings of the test so it's not going to be easy at all but yeah i mean all we can do right now and all we must do right now is just back them to the hilt and see what they come up with and uh hopefully they'll get better for the experience you are absolutely right i think the discipline that's been shown by the english bowlers are really the difference that we see between the two teams right I think the Indian bowlers they had a up and down uh, set of uh, sessions in the at least yesterday mid session and uh, the third session but 
it, this really stands out even though they were being punished for majority of the partnership the opening partnership from the indian batters it was almost at 4 and over as well so it was not uh, you know compiled slowly but really the the discipline that has been displayed by the england bowlers are really you know it, it's quite something we can see that and of course look they have they have also some spinners that can get into the game you have uh, sophia eccleston yeah. right because if india are to bat fourth it's not going to be easy because uh, even nat siver and yeah. get cross so it it look they they are looking like they can get something here so it's the spinners yeah. who have actually taken most of the wickets heather knight came in and she herself has taken two wickets right so it's going to be interesting if you know india indian women can make a good match out of it as you say it's not about the result but having started so well you would be a little disappointed if they were to not be able to at least yeah, manage a draw from this yeah absolutely absolutely and i, I mean uh, i'm a little wary of uh, you know uh, voicing very strong opinions on on women's cricket because of the fact that you know uh, the dynamics of the game are very different and i have not watched a lot of it to be very uh, uh, sure about my opinions but i really think the the some of the decisions with respect to bowling changes and with respect to field placings uh, last evening and today left a lot to be desired uh, because i mean just basic mm. common sense tells you that when you have someone on the mat you know you 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 try and throttle them even further and i don't know why we uh, were uh, still giving easy singles to dunkley and uh, uh, and and all the other batsmen who uh, batswoman who came after her uh, because i think we really had a good chance to you know get cracking especially with the two spinners bowling so well in tandem not giving any easy runs so if you could have really cut down on the singles uh, and you know just not let them get off the hook it would have probably made a difference but i guess uh, you know when when you are in that sort of a situation you only have one test to play you, uh, you know don't really have a lot of uh, uh, things going for you in terms of scheduling etc not losing becomes uh, the primary objective and when that happens perhaps you you know sort of tend to stand back a little bit and the other team come uh, can come and take the advantage for that so i think i think that probably played on on the minds of the indian team and uh, with hali specifically but at least to uh, a layman observer the field placings and the bowling changes left a little bit to be desired that's one of the things that's a that's a crucible that's a cauldron you have to really undergo to actually mature and come out on the other side so it's 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 a very unforgiving environment and maybe you know under pressure the indian skipper may have made a few mistakes well she's very very experienced no doubt but it it could have happened to the best of us maybe maybe the inputs that she was also receiving from the coaching staff who usually pass on some messages to the people standing on the boundary and so on maybe maybe not not uh, enough good uh, inputs came through we don't know but yes it's possible and you are absolutely right when you say they took the foot off the throat at that point in time they should have gone for the kill but all right as you say this is a learning uh, learning curve and we know they are going to grow strong because of this experience no doubt right yes all right uh, now going further let's look at the two test matches that finished in the last week or so and they were both a little one sided so i think we can first start off with the england new zealand test well yeah. uh, in spite of six changes new zealand comfortably beat england what are your thoughts on this no i, I mean it's uh, 
wonderful, absolutely wonderful to see England uh, you know, getting beaten at home, first of all, because we couldn't do that when we went there last time. Uh, it's also amazing to see New Zealand doing well because, uh, uh, you know, they, they are a team that you can get behind uh, whatever, be the, whatever be the state of the cricket world. Uh, so it was very good to see them do well uh, with with the changes that they brought in. Uh, for them to be able to beat England at home was was something really good to see. Uh, and I think uh, the the other important thing was uh, you know someone like Ajaz Patel putting in a good show. Uh, the new batsman Will Young putting in a good show. Uh, so I mean it's it's very. Uh, nice and it boards very well for a country uh, when their newcomers are able to come up on the big stage and you know make you feel that they belong here. That happened with Conway in the previous test. Obviously, Conway's uh, you know uh, background is one full of rich experience, etc. But uh, I mean, it, it it it's very good signs for a cricket nation if if your uh, debutants and your newcomers are able to do that well. Uh, and England, I think, had you know very few answers to the awesomeness of the of the New Zealand bowling attack and their batting. Uh, I don't really think Wagner and Jameson are still at you know full throttle. And with that, if they could really take out uh, England so comfortably, uh, it's 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 amazing. And it's it's not a good sign for us as Indian fans because. New Zealand has really had a good test series there and great preparation for the upcoming uh, World Championship final. But yeah, I mean, it's it's just amazing how New Zealand has uh, managed to turn it around so well uh, for themselves. And as I said, England getting beaten at home is always a personal pleasure for me. Right. I sense a bit of Schadenfreude, but uh, you know what? I, I can't begrudge you that the way some touring <laughs> teams performed in England. But uh, you know, coming to this series, of course, it's all about the youngsters from New Zealand uh, and uh, Conway, previous test and also this test he showed he really belongs at the top level. But Will Young, who's not been getting many opportunities, he also took, let's say, the opportunity with both his hands. But same for Matt Henry, right? Probably he wouldn't yeah, have started this yeah. game if not for. Uh, New Zealand management deciding to rest, um, you know, Kyle Jamieson going into the World yeah. uh, Test Championship final. But he again, he he was the man of the match there, and uh, he really outperformed the rest of the bowling. I think yeah. Ben Bolt also warmed up beautifully. So they got the balance yeah. right when they listed uh, when they rested uh, Saudi. Uh, Williamson yeah. unfortunately had to be rested. Same for Watling. But then yeah. look, the the people who are sort of replacing the. Uh, Others who sat out showed their it's it's the caliber. It's like almost like the Indian team that what I what did, uh, happened to Indian team in Australia. But I would say that was even more of a decimation. But still, this this was very very nice to see and everybody contributed. Tom Blundell looked really accomplished behind the stumps. I mean, in in yeah. comparison to James Bracey, he was he was miles apart, right? And yeah, then absolutely. you were right. Neil Wagner was also warming up nicely. You saw Neil Wagner at times bowling foolish length. I mean, it's yeah, not completely exactly. surprising, but he did. Yeah. And uh, also, Daryl Mitchell got a go because I think they were resting yeah. Colin de Grand home. But uh, you know, yeah. we'll we'll put a, we'll put a pin in the rest of the discussion because we're going to get there. And in terms of really uh, batting first, England got to 303 thanks to 81 from Dan Lawrence, right? 
Yeah. Um, then Pop, again, a bunch of breezy, you know, teens and tweens sort of knock. Not really good. Joe Root failing for once in this test. And the tail always wagged. They did a bit for England. So from 303 and then getting the opposition all out for 388, I think they did well. Considering that the yeah. opposition, again, were more like 3 for 292 or something with Ross Taylor sort of comfortably playing and Blundell also sort of looking comfortable. But then, you know, uh, English bowling came back with Stuart Broad taking a 4-4. And then Wood and Stone really starting that, you know, the tremors, the trigger, uh, triggering the wickets. But then uh, they really let themselves down. They, they didn't look to be in the contest in the second innings, the way England batted. Rory Burns or Dom Sibley, one of these two usually goes on in a crucial third innings. But none of them could. And then between Crawley, Root and Ollie Pope, it, it, looked, it looked a bit uh, disappointing. Because Ollie Pope, again, better than Arnabal 23. When the team is under pressure, you will want to probably buckle down a bit. But then... You don't want to go to the other end of the spectrum where Joe Root, who's usually a very free-flowing batsman, got stuck one, one and a half hours. I remember it was quite painful. We are listening to Gorilla Cricket and 11 of 61, but more like 100 minutes of play. That's not at all him, right? Maybe the, And then again, Taylor sort of trying to do something to save the blushes, but 122. All they did was they avoided innings defeat, I would say. I mean, nothing more grandiose than that. And uh, of course, the result was never in doubt, thanks to you know very consummate performance. The bowlers equally sharing all the wickets. Look, I would think in the second innings, Ijaz Patel got himself a couple of uh, you know uh, easy wickets. At least Jorut he worked out, but the other one was sort of an easy wicket, I thought. But he's been impressive indeed uh, compared to yeah. how the left-arm spinners have been in India and uh, this thing. He's really been very, um, very, very impressive. But I don't think this this guy will be some somebody that will really worry the Indian batsman. Again, I'll I'll come to it come the next part of our discussion. But <laughs> in this game, it was a very one-sided one, and yeah, you're right. The deserved victory for New Zealand, and it's the second time that they are winning in the last 20, 25 years. When previously 1999 yeah. they had won under Stephen Fleming, now they are winning. This is a golden golden era for New Zealand cricket as far as their history is concerned. I would say, and it really remains to be seen if. You know, uh, they can crown it all. They were really unlikely to miss on the World Cup uh, final uh, with the winner's medal there. But maybe this is the chance for them to make a comeback. Right? Yeah. So, I, I just wanted to mention a couple of uh, points about this game in particular. I think uh, England really missed a trick by not getting a spinner in. I mean, you can you can uh, discuss all day long about who is better out of Leach and down etc. I mean... I, I don't think I know enough about uh, know enough numbers for those two to be able to make a decision. But I'm just saying that the whole idea of not playing a spinner at all is just I, I mean I don't get it. Whatever be the conditions, whatever be the pitch, unless it's like some mad pitch in South Africa or something or uh, an absolute green top in England. I don't really get the idea of not playing a spinner at all. So I think England definitely missed a trick there. I think as far as the England batting is concerned, uh, Nasser Hussain came out with a real major rant about it uh, on, on Sky. Uh, to be very honest, I think uh, England is, is being a little too harsh on themselves there. Uh, I mean, these same guys, I mean, Sibley and Burns and Crawley and Lawrence, all of these guys have, you know, done well in test cricket very, very recently. There will always be situations when, you know, teams collapse. We, we saw that with India in, in 36 all out, etc. We've seen that with teams 
day in and day out in test cricket it's not something that has happened for the first time and collapses will happen teams will you know just uh, lose it completely in one go all at the same time etc i think we are being a little too harsh on them they've they've done really well in the recent past a lot of them are new to test cricket uh, while you know they they must be having a lot of county experience so i don't think england should uh, you know chop and change too much not that they have too many options the india series is coming up soon and then they have you know the only thing that they seem to care about uh, the ashes but uh, i think there's enough in this batting lineup to you know continue to have some faith and and uh, see what you know they come up with it's it's going to be throwing in the towel a little too quickly if uh, you know they go for mass chop and change and i mean that has never worked for uh, for england in the past either mm-hmm. but if they decide to do that and that ends up uh, you know favoring us i i'm not going to complain one bit yeah now you're right in this case i think look the bowlers were also outpulled by the new zealand counterparts right let's not forget that definitely yeah, exactly. the batsmen were outplayed yeah. but the bowlers were also outpulled and this has this this attack has probably the best two bowlers uh, ever almost fast bowlers right yeah. so that that's something they need to also look at but okay everybody has an off day a couple of off days it's, it's it's all right and when it comes to the batting i think it's just that they are hurting because it's led to a defeat so you have newcomer sort of adjusting first two to three seasons are tough and zack crawley looked good last season dan lawrence has looked good even in this you know in this series so especially pope worries me a bit but uh, we'll have to see how it goes but i don't expect any mass chop and change as you would have seen in an england team in the 90s or 80s anymore it will be a more gradual thing and people will be given enough tests 10 12 tests to prove themselves so it will come good i think when it comes to their structure for the long run i think joe root has to still again discover that joy of playing cricket you really see him when he's comfortable and looking to score nicely that attacking style of play he has i think maybe he's a bit bogged down with a bit of all the things going around i mean look ali robinson's thing also didn't help i think all this um for a lack of a better word the wokish nature of our sudden social uh, awareness that's going on and uh, maybe he's also asked to do a few things off off the field maybe it's taking some of his time away and maybe some some of his downtime away you know we don't know all this so we'll have to see how they really come back but indeed it's a real real uh, blow for them first series loss at home since 2014 always a proud record to lose such a record right always a proud record and they would be very disappointed to lose it but anyway uh, that's one thing but speaking of robinson he's been taken out of the limelight he's been given some you know leave to sort of hide away heal a little bit you know, like his wounds so to say and he'll be back in a week or two but uh, do you think that was the right move by ecb to uh, give him a break so that he goes away from all this lot of chatter and sort of composes himself and thinks about his future i mean this only robinson issue is 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 definitely something that uh, you know isn't isn't easy to simplify at all i mean uh, there are there are a lot of few points coming in and there is some merit in all of them i do think that what the ecb has done is technically suspension pending inquiry which is the best thing that they could have done uh, i mean the only thing that they would want to see is you know uh, is ali robinson a changed man since he made those tweets 8 9 10 years ago so i don't think there's anything wrong there at, on the face of it but as soon as you scratch the surface you see very clearly with england that you know they are perhaps trying to make uh, make a victim out of ali robinson a little bit because 
you know, they've not done a great deal about uh, the allegations against Yorkshire. They've not done anything uh, about what Michael Capri has said or about what John Holder has said. And all of these things belong in that area of racism. And the irony of all of it was, you know, on, on the uh, first day of the first test, uh, while the England footballers were, you know, uh, very clear about taking a knee, the England uh, men's team, you know, wore those shirts and took a pledge against, you know, all, all those negative things, racism and this and that. And so I think Ali invariably ended up spoiling their party a little bit. And the ECB might make an example out of him as they, as they like to call it. But the only thing is, uh, I think ECB has swept a lot of things under the carpet for very long. And uh, I hope it doesn't be, become the case that uh, by punishing Oli uh, more than is required, uh, you know, they try to get on the high horse of uh, woke scene, etc., while really not doing any justice to the cause of uh, cricket or you know, the, the particular race that is under question or the particular religion that is under question uh, in this case. Mm-hmm. Look, it's indeed a very nuanced topic. I agree with you that uh, there is some institutional racism probably that in most, in most cultures it's probably there and you can't have a reckoning in one day, right? Yeah. And, yeah. The system has to change itself. It's a, it's usually a reflection of the society itself, and it might not simply go away right away. But okay, uh, I do see they're at least pulling him out of the firing line. But when it comes to challenging a county like Yorkshire, it's like challenging the Mumbai uh, team. You know, the Mumbai yeah. setup in India. It's never that easy. It's the most successful county and the most prestigious county there is. So, but yes, they're probably also looking to address this long term rather than take any knee jerk reactions or show any knee jerk reactions and take any sudden decisions. That's the way I I see the setup of England cricket totally being more strategic rather than, you know, tactical in this case. All right. I think we should take a quick look at the South Africa versus West Indies tests. Well, it was it was a throwback on all the old school style of cricket, right? Where it was it was some other team doing it to West Indies, but it was all, this could have been a West Indian uh, attack from the 70s through the 90s, do you think, uh, Abhishek? Like they blew the West Indian team completely out of the water. Yeah, and I mean, we, I was expecting uh, great things from the West Indies team after their recent successes. Uh, you would expect that uh, a team comes back home uh, from success away and uh, you know, grows in confidence and you know, they're, they're bigger and taller and stronger and everything. But uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a big fan uh, and becoming a bigger fan of this uh, uh, fast bowler called Nokia and uh, uh, the South Africans were not having a good time at cricket themselves. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's great that, you know, away wins are probably uh, at least becoming a little more frequent. We'll have to go and uh, go back and check numbers. But there's just this whole flavor of away wins coming a lot more these days, uh, which is uh, which is really good to see in this case also. And uh, uh, our man QDK got 100. The... Uh, this guy NGD got a fifer. So all of these things were really, really good to see. And uh, uh, I mean, I, I just thought that uh, West Indies not doing well uh, at home was a little unfortunate. But then, I mean, uh, you can't really begrudge South Africa any success right now, given that they're going through a very tumultuous time themselves and 
with all the stuff that's happening in the administration etc so yeah i mean all in all a good result for the health of the game i would say absolutely look the way quinton decock played shows that weight is off his shoulders and he's able yeah. to then sort of indulge in this he has this joie de vivre you can see the way he plays cricket like what i told about jorud he has this free flowing way of playing and it's much like rishabh pant if not you know a bit more nuanced rishabh pant is stronger and a bit more uh, village blacksmith at time but this time this guy quinton decock he's much more experienced and that's all it is nothing more and you can see he showed that the you know the weight is off and immediately scored 100 a big 100 right and probably the difference between the two teams but i would have said south africa were way too strong the way norkia in the first morning i was able to keep track of the game and it it was it was a brutal brutal let's say spell before and after lunch where you know west indies are unable to buy a run it, they don't know where the runs are coming from in the first let's say 30 hours of the game they looked completely out of water they were five down already it was almost no doubt the way this test would go and uh, they only were able to make 97 no major score except 20 from holder in the first innings and then as you say engedi took a 5-4 norkia 4-4 and when it came their turn to bat uh, captain for the first time uh, after a long long let's say time of waiting dean elgar unfortunately started off with a duck but aiden makram and uh, rasi fonderdusen set up the platform and then of course quinton decock and vian wilder they sort of took it to the next level and uh, quinton decock ca- capitalized completely west indians didn't bowl particularly badly i mean 322 on this pitch is sort of par i would say Yeah. but their batsmen yeah. they were completely outmatched right because the new guy jaden uh, seals he 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 looks good he, he seems to be one of those again from that uh, long assembly line of fast bowling he seems really good and looks like he seems to have a bright future but it it was no way going to hide what happened because you were more than 225 runs behind and even though rashton chase showed some skill and made 62 again they were blown out of water this time rabada taking a 5 4 in the second innings norkia again a 3 4 and kesham maharaj chipping in with two wickets right so all in all they would be very very happy seeing what actually went through and uh, maybe in the second test of the series they wouldn't probably get another uh, such a fast bouncy pitch because well uh, west indies lost shannon gabriel to injury on the eve of the test probably they were probably looking to bank on this fast paced wicket with their bowling and they got sold out to the opposition which was not probably what they were expecting but you know right. these things come and go it's been it's happened enough times remember that uh, terrible pitch in nagpur where uh, i think swan and Man- uh, paneser bowled <laughs> india <laughs> india and then got england to a victory a series victory it can sometimes go against you right I, I I just wanted to ask you. I mean, since I didn't get to catch a lot of the game, how were the two South African debutants? I mean, did you did you manage to catch them live? And what is your first impression of those two? So, uh, uh, frankly, I saw a bit of uh, Keegan Peterson bat. He looked comfortable in the little bit of time he spent. Kyle Warren, I didn't catch. So these were the two debutants, both sort of middle order, top middle order batsmen. Um, I think Kyle Warren has played some cricket already. and keegan peterson is the real newbie in the setup right so in this case at least i would like to think they are sort of laying the platform for a longer nicer you know the big big people have left recently you know yeah, uh, abd villiers is always in and around but he's gone paf has left absolutely so and they tried a few people tenus to brown they tried and of course mm-hmm. um, the other guy who would normally be here is out injured right they they are limited or captain Temba Boma is out injured. Otherwise, you would probably see him 
take one of these uh, you know places in the middle order probably Kyle Verrain wouldn't play or Kane Peterson wouldn't play if he was fit he's injured so he he's not playing here so it's it's a very very interesting uh, side they have brought and i think there is a difference in approach as well the, with the way dean elgar captains the team and he's probably given his fast bowlers a sort of carte blanche that you know uh, back in the day probably hansi krone used to give or even kepler vessels you know when they had this battery south of fast africans have, south africans yeah. have never really had any option other than to do that because the spinners coming out there uh, haven't ever been the, the greatest so Uh, they've always sort of played a holding role in that sense uh, keshav is probably much more skillful than the rest of them uh, who have come before him in the spinner uh, variety for uh, south africa but other than that i mean it's always been guys like stain or markel or uh, donald or pollock or uh, all the others that have come before them so it's always been a pace heavy attack and i guess given that pace is really the strength of uh, both the teams uh, you're right in saying that you know uh, shannon gabriel's presence would have uh, probably made a little bit more of a difference uh, but yeah i think i think the blame lies on the door of the west indian batsmen much more than anything else and uh, it's been a fall back to earth for for those guys a little bit yeah absolutely they'll they'll build up on this we'll probably see a different side stepping out when they take on uh, south africa in the second test and let's see how that uh, pans out now let's get to the let's say the meat of the matter here a preview of the world test championship final starting tomorrow yeah i think uh, it's it's time for all of us to get our proverbial raincoats and umbrellas out uh, i was just seeing on twitter that it's raining heavily at the rose bowl so uh, mm-hmm. the next day i think they're going to have to keep a few more because the way it was raining at least today it doesn't seem very likely that you know things are going to get a lot better they're probably going to remain better so let's just see how how you know, what role the rain ends up uh, rain ends up playing in, in the entire test right so when we look at the squads so first let's take a look at the india squad so india have chosen five fast bowlers which is sort of a bit of a surprise in that 15 that they named for the test so you have they they you know, come out with the 11 no they have also announced the 11 i have not yet seen this wow okay yeah i, I, yeah, I thought yeah, they yeah. just announced they, the 15 no no so the 11 is basically shami bumrah ishan jadeja ah, ashwin pan no no surprise and then yeah five. so no surprise 5 plus 5 plus 1 vihari misses out siraj misses out all right yeah, this is sort of expected then and saha of course so in this case look uh, there are no surprises i was going to ask yeah. you more about whether they would consider one spinner and four fast bowlers or i think it would be a mistake and as it turns out that's the right call you should have jadeja yeah. and ashwin together right? i was actually doing uh, uh, a podcast on this weekend uh, uh, with uh, with a dear friend uh, from pakistan harshim and uh, mm-hmm. and i had very strongly opined that both spinners should play and i mean i i would uh, sort of claim to have kohli's ear but that's not the case he's just made the right choice and he has taken the wings uh, wind out of uh, you know all those people who were probably ready with their swords to uh, debate selection matters i think this is the best side that they could have chosen i mean shami raj was probably Uh, a little bit of a situation but i think they've gone with experience and while shami didn't uh, have a lot of wickets to show from the last england tour 
uh, I think he did bowl decently well and uh, I think he deserves a go ahead of Siraj. The only thing I'm worried about uh, Shami is uh, whether you know his fitness will be peak after such a long break without any match practice. But let's hope he he does uh, he does put in the required number of overs and gets lots of fitness. I think he would have, and so he's he's known as second inning Shami for a reason, right? It would be yeah. it would be not a good idea to leave somebody like him out. And look, yeah. when you add Jadeja and Ashwin together, they are special. But even by themselves individually, with any other bowling yeah. bowling on the other side, they're they're very very special. And there was this thought where some people were saying, could you leave Ishant out for maybe a Siraj yeah. faster and can swing the ball better? I wonder if that would have crossed Kohli's mind. I don't think so because you you don't you don't drop somebody with a hundred tests, even for somebody as exciting as Siraj, don't you think? Yeah, no. I mean, Siraj is going to get his chances. Siraj is a long way ahead of him. There are many more tests to play for us in England itself, and uh, I think I think Ishant definitely deserves a go. Ishant has uh, put in great performances for us in England itself over the years, whether it be uh, whether it be white ball cricket or red ball cricket, and so I mean. Uh, the kind of control that he provides, right? When when the opposition is uh, you know 250 for two uh, and uh, nothing is working, the guy you throw the ball to is Ishant. He'll come and bowl his heart out for you in the channel on the right length. So I mean, you just don't leave out Ishant. He he is uh, he's someone who you have in your bunker by your side for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, well, in terms of what could India do or what should India be doing when they start off, it normally it's a win the toss bat first sort of a pitch is what we hear, right? Because it takes a bit of pace in the first couple of days. Then if there is not a lot of rain, it might start taking turn from day three, day four onwards, which is normal, a normal test match behavior, pitch behavior. But in this case, considering that there's some rain today, maybe the pitch is firmer than usual. Would you think the Indian captain may choose to bowl if he wins the toss? Uh, so honestly, I mean, I, I don't really think uh, uh, it's it's that big a deal. Uh, probably helps because it's, you know, a final and uh, 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 everything that is associated with a game like that. So it would probably help if we are able to get a chance to bat first. But uh, I think the Indian bowling is good enough to you know, win it for us from from uh, any position. So, uh, while batting first would be preferred, I think it's going to be absolutely fine either way. The only thing that I'm sort of concerned about is uh, how do our spinners get the most purchase? And if that's going to happen by, uh, you know, us us batting uh, first, then, you know, that's that's how you would want it to be. The other important thing is also the fact that, you know, uh, I think last time Mohin Ali took some uh, took a lot of wickets uh, against us when we played at Southampton. Uh, obviously, the time of the year was a little different, uh, not as rainy as it is right now. But um, again, I think that will play on Kohli's mind a little bit. That spinners uh, do stand a good chance to do well in the four things. I mean, why would else would you pick two spinners? And so he might uh, decide to bat first and. Get get uh, get the chance of uh, fourth wicket, uh, fourth innings wicket for Ashwin and Jadeja. 
Right. That's about India. Well, I mean, as you say, probably they would they wouldn't mind batting or bowling first. They have a equally good squad. But I mean, given how traditionally you would like to uh, start a test match, of you would want to win the toss and bat, no doubt. Even if it's yeah. you know zipping around a little bit, you have Southy and Bolt who are a very very daunting opposition. It must be said with the new ball. Yeah. But what about New Zealand? I don't see the squad yet. At least not on uh, Sunday night. Mm-hmm. No, they haven't announced the squad yet. Uh, I think they did announce the 15, and again, there are no surprises there. Uh, the standard set of players. Again, I mean, their, their bowling is absolutely top notch. Uh, we were mentioning when we were discussing England versus New Zealand that uh, Wagner, while he, I don't think he's, he's, you know, in the absolute beast mode that we know him uh, for mm-hmm. right now. Uh, but he has discovered a very happy knack of picking up wickets with slightly fuller lengths. Uh, so you know you have uh, two guys in Bolt and Wagner who have the left armor angle to use all day long, and you have two guys in Jameson and Wagner who can really pepper you with very very different kinds of uh, short pitch bowling. So. And Saudi is almost always there, the evergreen guy for uh, for New Zealand. Uh, so I think it's 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 a wonderful bowling attack. Jazz might get a look in. He's uh, done decently well. Um, I mean, you were mentioning earlier that you know he's not going to bother the Indian batsmen uh, a great deal. But we also have a knack of uh, you know losing it against uh, against any any mm-hmm. decent. So you know you right. we be in for a surprise there. Uh, I don't know if Kane is going to be fit or not. I hope he's fit. It would be a terrible thing to miss out on such a big stage. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, mouth-watering contest, uh, and uh, it's just going to be amazing. It's a little bit of an injustice to the format. Something a format that is known for, you know, well-drawn-out series with lots of narrative and stories and. Uh, ebbs and flows and press and troughs to sort of go through uh, or get decided just by one test. So that's a little bit of a bus kill. But I mean, it's a start. It's a start, and hopefully the format is going to improve the coming editions. Right. When I look at the potential eleven that New Zealand would take tomorrow. So there is a high likelihood they may actually play without a spinner. So I mean, look, you wouldn't want to go into a test match like this without Saudi Bolt, and I would say Kyle Jamieson ahead of Neil Wagner simply because of uh, you know hit the deck, can bat a lot sort of thing. And of course, your Neil Wagner is your pit bull. You don't want to leave him out. That means you have four fast bowlers picked out, right? That means you yeah. have a longish tail. How do you yeah. how do you then how do you balance it out? Do you take a Colin Grandom who can bat along with Kyle Jamieson? Pretty much like the two spinners in Indian side, maybe these two, you know, medium pacers who can bat, or would you take an Ajaz Patel as the variety? Because simply because of what you mentioned, right? Would you choose him so that uh, this this keeps this um, uh, this bone of uh, you know contention or let's say this uh, suspense for the Indian team? In any case, they are susceptible, and we know you are susceptible to good spin on a day, right? I would, I would definitely have those four pacers. I'm not going to leave out any of them. The good thing is, uh, I mean, except Bolt, who's probably the weakest link there with the bat. Uh, Saudi, we know can hit hit uh, sixes. He 
uh, has hit a lot of them in test cricket. Uh, so he's, he's not a complete dummy with the bat. Jameson and Wagner, I mean, Wagner has uh, done well with the bat in the past. Jameson is obviously you know, uh, a legitimate all-rounder. So I think they don't really have to worry about the tail being shortened because of it. Ajaz, of course, I mean, not great guns with the bat, but that's okay. I mean, having two people who can't bat in an 11 is, is absolutely fine. Uh, so once that is sorted out with five pacers, you have uh, Conway and Latham to start off things. Uh, you, know, you have uh, Williamson after that, of course, and you have uh, uh, Nichols, who, who is sure to get a look in. Uh, and uh, who else am I forgetting? So uh, that uh, this, who else am I forgetting? Watling. BJ Watling, Aiga. Watling, yeah, yeah, of course, Watling, the the best wicketkeeper batsman that they've come up with. So I guess they're pretty sorted out that way. So I don't really see a lot of selection heading for them. Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, I was very excited about Daryl Mitchell. Uh, I continue to be excited about CTG. I hope he's able to get that fifth spot. Uh, but they don't really need that much bowling, to be honest. If they're going to go for four plus one. Uh, in the pace plus spin combination, so yeah, five five batters would be would be the way they will go to. I don't think CDG will get anything with the hair that he has. It will be a shame, uh, but I guess that's how they will decide to go. Uh, if hair were to be selection, you would uh, find some people in the Indian team not being able to make it. But we'll park that on the side, right? Yeah. All right, but all in all, you are absolutely right. When we look at the history. Uh, New Zealand have never played a test in Southampton. So they're coming from a sort of a clean slate perspective. India have had two bad experiences, 2014 and 18, right? I would say they'll go with five fast bowlers or four fast bowlers and call it a grand home. But you feel probably Ajaz may make it ahead of them. I think that's going to be the case. Time for, uh, time for an honest opinion. Who do you think will win the World Test Championship starting tomorrow? Or do you think... It might be a draw. That's still a legitimate option, right? I think I think rain is going to be the winner. Uh, the rain gods are going to get uh, their name on the miss. Uh, but uh, if it were to be a timeless test with rain, you know, taken out uh, as a factor, I definitely think uh, that England, uh, sorry, New Zealand has has a little bit of an upper hand. Uh, but I would also like to qualify that opinion with. Uh, an opinion about myself that I am a certified uh, pessimist. So, I mean, any format of cricket, any anything at all, I don't really think that India is going to pull it off. So, uh, I do think that New Zealand has uh, a little bit of an edge when it compares to batting in those conditions because of the simple reason that, you know, they've, they've uh, experienced similar conditions back home a little more than we have. And I think the fact that they've had two test matches, proper test matches under their belt to get used to the conditions is going to play a major role. I do know India have also played those uh, intra-squad matches, etc. But, I mean, from whatever I understand, I know you can't match test match intensity. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's New Zealand for me, but nothing will make me happier than in India. Right. I mean, for me, I will start by giving India six and New Zealand four when it goes to chances out of ten, right? But that's simply because of the quality 
that is on offer no doubt and uh, but also about the resilience that we've seen with the indian test team recently what happened in australia and also after they came back home to lose the first test and then bounce back make sure they winning uh, they win all three so i i would just say they are more resilient and of course they are not the team that's currently you know having played two tests sort of entrenched in england they are the newbies and they played some you know intra squad squad matches but it's it's not the same as competing against another squad out there right yeah yeah the way i would look at it is this whichever team retains its discipline at in the tougher periods right it's it's a cliche to say it but especially against this new zealand team or against this indian team they have match winners who can really hurt you even if you lose that uh, discipline over while you're batting or while you're bowling you will want to be on the top of your game right through so i would say that's a really good really good thing that we can see whichever team hangs on to its discipline better will probably take the cup i have a feeling we'll get a result in spite of some rain we are going to see some rain but not a lot and because of one extra day a potential 90 overs that can be made up is a very let's say attempting thing for me to say no no they'll probably end up having a result and i'm going to back india to take the trophy for the first time and it, you know the cricket fan in me cringes when i say it unfortunately because i love the new zealand cricket team and what it stands for yeah but it, it it's it's tough to see past uh, this indian team because because of all the reasons i spoke about earlier so that's my prediction the only only problem i have with that is uh, india has recently acquired this uh, habit of uh, losing the first one and then coming back to win the series since it's only one test i, I don't know what will happen there i think they made sure they played a intra squad match which the uh, majority of the people who are going to play are lost it <laughs> you know there was this kl rahul versus kohli 11 i think they made sure kl yeah, kohli 7 yeah. lost it back at home there are these uh, superstitions so they say when they look at horoscope of certain person and they say you know this person's first spouse is going to die early yeah, yeah. they actually get that person married to a banana tree and they cut it off later and that's out of the way something like that you know we both come from similar part of the world and therefore i can give you this example they also do it with goats so whatever takes your fancy right so they get it married and they cut it and eat it that night and it's over then your bad luck is gone so i think that's what the indian cricket team also did with the intra squad matches right anyway. <laughs> yeah i think i think that's that's a good way to ward off any bad luck that can come i mean having said all this i wish both teams all the best and may the best team win they are both here based on merit and any team losing is going to hurt me a little true that that's all right now let's take a look at some of the other news from around the cricketing world so in one of our previous episodes we had covered the ongoing dispute between the sri lankan players and its board they were not willing to sign a touring contract and we are highlighting it and now at least the the board and the players have come to a agreement that sri lanka will actually tour with a 24 strong squad really and uh, they are going to tour england and maybe they are going to let their performances speak for themselves before signing any contracts i think there are some new names for example you know pravin jayavikrama who who sort of you know come through in the test scene took a lot of wickets he's been selected and then you have uh, dhananjaya lakshan new uh, all-rounder and charita salanka and ishan jayaratna these are all new entrants they are almost new to the squad and you have some old guys coming back you have avishka fernando who sort of was left out because of lack of fitness he's been brought back no angelo matthews no one pradeep is in right 
So it looks good. Looks like a well-balanced, strong squad. They're playing three T20s and three ODIs. It might seem a bit of a bloated squad, but we know with COVID and all of these things currently going on, I think this is a decent squad to choose. Um, any thoughts on this, Abhishek? I mean, I am not really uh, uh, clued in on the new guys that they have, uh, but I do know that Sri Lanka cricket is going through a rebuilding phase, and it has been going through that phase for quite some time. Uh, you know, after the big hole that was left by uh, a few of their experienced players, uh, calling it a day. Uh, the only thing is, you know, uh, when it comes to the pay dispute, I, uh, from whatever I've read and uh, heard, I do understand that the board hasn't really been fair to the players, and that's been the case for a long time in Sri Lankan cricket. You know, that uh, people have not really given the players uh, their due, and uh, the politics that has happened. And the power games that have happened have really taken the sheen away from the players' performance. So it's not a good sign at all. Uh, you know, uh, I, I would hate to see if something like that were to happen to the Sri Lankans because uh, you know, that's a team I've uh, learned to really love as, as a young kid. But a lot of the stuff that happened with Australia, which culminated in Sandpaper Gate, uh, a lot of it had the pressures and you know the tribulations and the trials associated with the pay dispute that uh, those guys had with their board and they had it for a very protracted period of time. So this is never good for the morale of the players and uh, uh, I think uh, it's, it's good that they're touring uh, and they, they are having a good mix of uh, youth and experience and all of that. But I do think that the Sri Lankan cricket board uh, needs to set its house in order. Easier said than done. It's always a chicken and egg situation. Unless you win, the money is not going to be there. And unless the money is not going to be there, you will not be able to win, etc. But uh, I just think a little less politics uh, and the involvement of a little uh, of politicians reduced to some extent is, is going to do them a great deal of uh, good. If not that, at least less harm than right now. So let's hope for the best for uh, Indeed. Going forward, I think uh, common sense is eventually going to prevail and some more merit-based decisions will be allowed to be you know, accommodated into the system. Well, on the other hand, the Indian squad that's uh, been selected to tour Sri Lanka, uh, the, at the same time, there's another squad touring England has been announced. So not a lot of surprises. Shikhar Dhawan is announced as the captain. Bhuneshwar Kumar is, will be his deputy. And it looks like, uh, you know, Shreyas Iyer has not recovered enough to make the squad. Right? But then there are some very exciting names here. Some of those uh, really good performers throughout uh, the IPL couple of seasons, I think, have been rewarded. You see Devdat Padikal, you see Prithvi Shaw back in, you see Ruturaj Gaikwad, right? Some well-known names, Suri Kumar Yadav, Manish Pandey, Hardik Pandya, Nitish Rana has been given a chance. Both Sanju Samson and Ishan Kishan have been chosen. And when it comes to spin, I think Yashvendra Chahal, Kuldeep Yadav, Varun Chakravarti, uh, very strong string uh, spin contingent along with K. Gautam. And of course, Rahul Chahar, who's now the, let's say, the holding uh, bowler in the shorter, uh, shorter formats for India. And then, of course, you have a very strong fast bowling lineup. You have Deepak Chahar, you have um, Navdeep Saini, Chetan Sakarya has been given a go, right? And of course, you'll have Bhubi. 
So what do you think of this squad? Very balanced or some surprises for you? I think the only one uh, that I'm, I'm a little uh, uh, concerned about is Nitish Rana. Uh, I don't think he's done enough to uh, get a go. Uh, I think a few of the folks that have done, who have done really well in first class cricket or in listed cricket for quite some time should have probably uh, gotten their opportunity now that uh, the, the main side is sort of playing in in, uh, in England. Uh, but other than those few grouses, uh, I think it's it's great that so many new guys are going to get a chance to really put up their hand and you know, show what they're made of. Uh, and it augurs quite well for the Indian team that they're able to uh, you know, put out to uh, good squads out on the park uh, you know, at the same time. So, yeah, speaks a lot about the depth and strength of Indian cricket right now. I'm sure Dhawan and Dravid are going to have a really tough time in deciding the eleven because there are so many, so many good players who deserve a look in. And there will be some debuts also, I'm sure. So yeah, I mean it's it's great, it's uh, wonderful to see, and uh, I just hope that Samson gets a go again. Uh, and I'm mentioning him specifically because. I really thought that the chances he got in the shorter format with the white ball, uh, he, he never you know, did very, very badly. And whatever he did was with the kind of intent that you require in uh, in that format. It's just that it didn't come off. Uh, and I've also, you know, we've also seen comments about his uh, first class uh, average and you know, all of those things. But I really think that he has the kind of mindset that we need to revolutionize our white ball cricket, uh, especially our T20 format. So I hope he gets a proper go there. Uh, he's had a great equation with Dravid over the years. So I hope uh, he does well and he comes out of this into the full strength side also when we play the next T20 series. Indeed. Uh, him, him and probably Kuldeep Yadav getting another chance to put his hand up, right? Newbies like Gautam probably trying to make a space for himself. In the shorter format, I think there's quite a lot of room there. And other people like Ruturaj Gaikwad, Devdutt Padikal, new, new, new people, you know, and somebody like Prithvi Shaw trying to redeem himself. There's plenty to look forward to in the squad, right? So I'd be also probably trying to keep an eye on that uh, that uh, game or those set of games while, uh, you know, it's, it's sort of ideal if they have day games, right? If you're a cricket fan living in this time zone, in European time zone, you have the best of both the worlds because early in the morning, you have a limited hours game starting in Sri Lanka. Then in by in around lunch, you have uh, the test match starting in England. So you're taken care of most of the day, right? So, well, you have to find then some probably excuses to <laughs> not be well or something so that you can follow it all. But um, yeah, you know, this is, this is still a very exciting squad. You're absolutely right. And we wish both the squads, the one in England as well as the one, of course, going to Sri Lanka, all the best and a good, you know, a good outing for Shrikant Dhawan and Bhuvaneshwar Kumar as the leadership group as well, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, uh, the last time uh, that we went to England, uh, uh, I, I, I'm not sure if Bhuvi was there or not. There. I think he was there for uh, at least a few games and I was really hoping that he gets fit in time for the England uh, 
for the World Test Championship final and the England series. But obviously, I mean, Siraj has leapfrogged him into the squad uh, with what he did in Australia. So, I mean, with credit to Siraj, you would also want to see Bhuvi uh, back in the reckoning for the main squad and, I mean, uh, giving him that extra responsibility of guiding the uh, pace bowling group is only going to, you know, probably add to his experience and hopefully make him do better things, great things on the field. So, yeah, let's, let's hope that is the case. Indeed. People like Sakaria who probably... You know, he said it in an interview later. He wasn't even looking to be picked as a net bowler, but he's really happy. So, some some growth opportunities there, no doubt. Now, uh, when it comes to well, some tantrums and some you know bad blood on the field. I don't know if you caught this video of, of uh, the Dhaka Premier Division uh, League where uh, Shakib Alasan. It was it was I must say a bit unbecoming of somebody who's played so many international games, Abhishek. Yeah, no, I was reading this piece by uh, Mohammed Isam. I've, I've uh, really learned, uh, I've really come to you know, appreciate his, his writing on Bangladesh cricket and not just the cricket, but also things around cricket. He has a great perspective on things uh, in that country. Uh, and I mean, he wrote a very balanced piece in which he mentioned that this is definitely not the first time that uh, Shakib has done this. And he has gotten away repeatedly, and that has probably emboldened him to you know, do it once more. Uh, this particular match, or I mean, the the, Bangla, the Bangladesh uh, league in itself, is in muddy waters because of uh, you know so many allegations of match fixing involving the empires themselves, and you know uh, all of it boiling down to the clubs and the power games that are played between among those clubs and how voting rights are, etc. So, I mean, it, the rot goes right up to the top when it comes to, you know, the corruption that is there in this league. Uh, and you can very well say that, you know, all of that, uh, you know, put aside, Shakib was really uh, misbehaving with the umpires in whatever visuals we saw. Uh, the context does bring a little bit of uh, you know, perspective to the entire scene for me. But yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right that uh, shouldn't have lost his school like that and uh, doesn't need to you know, do all of this. He's a very decorated player in his own right across the world uh, and just felt completely off. But Bangladesh would obviously do well to get the corruption removed from the scene. Uh, it's not going to happen in a hurry, but for the sake of Bangladesh cricket, one hopes that that's the case. Absolutely. Look, from what I hear, I, it doesn't it doesn't sound very positive at all because there's another player, Sabir Rahman, another, let's say, known bad boy. And uh, now there is some alleged racial abuse and stone throwing from him towards one of the other players, Elias Sunny, who at some point in time, I think, played for Bangladesh. So. Yeah. This doesn't really look good in for this uh, Dhaka Premier League. And also, you know, it looks like Shakib had gotten into an argument with Khaled Mashud, former captain and currently the, one of the directors of BCB. I think the rest of the world will now be watching on how BCB deals with these matters because I think they have to send out a strong message. Look, I can understand we all have frustrations from everyday life. Sometimes, uh, you know, things from outside of uh, cricketing field that can boil over into some bad behavior. but. So those videos that were doing rounds, I, I, I in initially couldn't even believe that's um, you know 
Rakib, I, I could really couldn't believe my eyes that he would act like that. But then there you go, because I also hold him in a lot of respect. I, I have a lot of respect for him as a, you know, a very reputed and a very accomplished uh, cricketer. And that's that's unfortunate to see because these videos making rounds might set the wrong sort of precedent for the youngsters who might be watching the game as well. So I think all eyes on BCB to see how they're going to deal with it. Now, in a batch of uh, good news, there are 10 names that have been put forward to, to be inducted into the ICC Hall of Fame. Right, so you have Aubrey Faulkner and Monty Noble from uh, pre-First World War. Then you have, uh, between the two wars, you have Larry Constantine and Stan McCabe. And then post-war, you have uh, Ted Dexter, Vinu Mankad. And then uh, ODI era, you have Desmond Haynes, Bob Willis. And then, of course, modern era, you have Andy Flower and Kumar Sangakkara. All extremely, extremely well-deserved entrants into the ICC Hall of Fame, Abhishek. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's uh, definitely something to look forward to when... Uh, you see some great names making that entry. Uh, for a long time, uh, one of the things that really made me not hold this whole exercise in a great, uh, in great regard is the fact that you know, they seem to be completely cut off from the history of the game. Uh, after you know, just doing the induction for the popular name, so uh, this batch probably gives a little bit more of. Uh, uh, you know, uh, understanding to anyone who learns cricket right now about the history of the game, because these are names that you know really stand out uh, for anyone who's interested in, in what happened in the past and how did we reach here uh, you know, as we stand um, as fans of the game in this day and age. Uh, the other important thing is uh, I'm, I'm very glad to see Andy Flar being represented there. Uh, not just because of the fact that you know he was a fantastic batsman and uh, also was very good, uh, barring a few episodes as as a coach uh, with England cricket. It's also uh, good to see that someone who uh, chose to raise his voice against what he saw as uh, systemic corruption and debasement of his uh, of his country. Uh, he didn't have to, you know, completely lose it in terms of his career and in terms of his uh, life because of that protest. He's been inducted into the Hall of Fame now, and that perhaps sets a good example for cricketers who want to have a voice. So, yeah, I mean, uh, decent patch. Uh, I I do think there are a lot many names from previous eras that are missing and should probably get a look in. Uh, before some of the others, but I think uh, doesn't really make sense to be too picky and choosy about these things. Ultimately, it's just another honor for people who really already earned respect for what they've done on the cricket field. And so, as long as you know they are putting in more people one by one, it's uh, something that we can look forward to every time the comes up. Indeed. Well, uh, congratulations to all the players or their families and well-deserved as far as uh, us cricket fans are concerned that they should be inducted into the uh, the Hall of Fame, ICC Hall of Fame. Now, uh, in another interesting news, six Australian cricketers, all sort of you would expect them to make the squad. You have Warner, Cummins, Maxwell, right, Stephen Smith. And then, of course, you have Jay Richardson, Kane Richardson and Marcus Stoinis. So six plus one, seven people actually have actually made themselves unavailable for the Australian upcoming tours, which are limited overs tours of West Indies and Bangladesh. So these are 
um, long distance tours, it must be said, right? So, and from the looks of it, it's purely due to the current COVID crisis that we see in different parts of the world. Uh, but how do you see this affecting uh, the Australian T20 preparations for the upcoming World Cup? See, to be honest, I, I don't really see this uh, to be, you know, something to break our heads about. I do know that there is a lot of talk among uh, the Australian cricket fans that, you know, this is being done, keeping in mind that the IPL is probably going to come up soon and the remaining matches are going to uh, get played out in the UAE or something. And these guys are sort of preserving themselves for the IPL. And, uh, I mean, I would be the last person to begrudge uh, the IPL money that these guys get. Uh, and uh, some of these tours to Australia, Bangladesh, etc., while you know, they are important for the white ball preparation, uh, I think uh, England has probably taken the best approach in terms of using the IPL as an opportunity to, to develop their own white ball game and their own T20 game. So, uh, yeah, of course, I mean, the fatigue that people experience in these bio-bubbles, we can only uh, you know, speculate about it, having not experienced it ourselves. But yeah, I mean, that obviously doesn't help, uh, especially, you know, the fact that the Australian guys had an extended uh, period of quarantine, even after landing in Australia, before they were able to really meet their family members. Uh, so, I mean, the only thing that we can do as cricket fans right now is just give them the space to you know, decide what tours they want to play and what tours they want to sort of uh, not play. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't have any issues against it. I mean, it's the decision that they've made that on. Well, look, if it was, it was purely based on the COVID grounds, I would actually understand that, right? But then I think, as you say, if there are other considerations, like saving themselves for an IPL, because IPL is not going to be held anywhere close to Australia either. You have to travel away are going to either India or going to UAE and uh, same for the World Cup, of course. But look, it's a, it's, it's a more nuanced matter. I don't want to go too deep into it. But all right, uh, the cricket fan in me sort of feels a little uh, let down if they're really saving themselves for IPL while they could actually represent their country and sort of, you know, get ready for a World Cup coming up. But it's, as you say, it's absolutely understandable. So let's see how, uh, you know, how these things pan out. Now, moving ahead, the women's T20 from... Um, Commonwealth Games that is supposed to happen in uh, 2022 is scheduled to happen between July 29th and August 7th. So uh, it's a welcome uh, no, uh, addition of cricket to Commonwealth Games and something that all cricket fans would be glad that the majority sports setup or the main sports setup is also taking cricket into considerations these days. So it would be very useful. And uh, let's see if you know how it goes. So we have India, Australia, New Zealand, Pakistan, South Africa, and England. And um, one nation from Caribbean will come. So it must be seen how it goes. So uh, it's going to be very interesting. And as I said, always a good news. Going forward, um, COVID seems to have again sort of luck. It's uh, ugly head because the ongoing Zimbabwe, South Africa, a four-day match was suspended because Zimbabwean government decided uh, the, the COVID cases were again rapidly rising in Zimbabwe. So they had to let it go. And that's what happened. So, you know, this is probably going to be with us for the upcoming 12 to 15 month period and uh, whatever cricket that happens has to make sure that you know, 
uh, this this is always taken into consideration. So once we see two big tournaments like PSL and IPL cancelled, you know, or at least stopped temporarily, you know how important this is. All right. Now going to the trivia section. So Abhishek, I'll ask you the trivia question from the previous episode. I would like to know if you can take a guess at the answer. So the trivia question from the sure. previous episode: What is common to every cricketer who has ever made a hundred on Test debut in England, but since two thousand? So in this millennium. So you basically mean guys like Devon Conway, etc. Absolutely, and that that's what sparked the question. Yes. And this is both players from England and players outside England, right? Well picked. Yes, that's that's a clue we had given out. It's not necessary that they have always represented England. So have all of them uh, converted their debut hundred to a double hundred? No. I'll tell you the four names. Let's see if I then you can probably try and guess it. So the four names are Stross, Pryor, Trot, and Conway. Who's the third one again? Stross, Pryor, uh, Conway, and Jonathan Trot. Oh, Jonathan Trot. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, then it has to be South African origin, I guess. Absolutely. So that was the answer. Well done. Once you realize who those are, you immediately realize they were all people who were born in South Africa, but they were different teams. But they made their debut hundred in England since two thousand. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Thanks. The trivia, the trivia question from this episode. What was England's ranking after their loss to New Zealand in the series in 1999? So famously, a side led by Stephen Fleming with a bunch of you know good cricketers, but a couple of outstanding ones like Chris Kane, who finished as the man of the series, beat England 2-1 in England. This was the last win New Zealand had in a Test series in England, and that meant England had a very weird ranking or very unexpected ranking. That's the clue I would give. So you can probably give us the answer of our uh, Abhishek. Sure, I will give it a shot. Yeah. All right. So I would like to say thanks a lot uh, for your participation once more, and it's been an absolute pleasure, right? So as always, we went on a bit longer than I would have liked. I would really love to host you again as a guest on our podcast. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Ajit. It was uh, it was a pleasure for me to be here and to discuss so many things about. Uh, Uh, ongoing uh, events in cricket. Thank you so much. Would you also maybe give out some ways in which you know listeners to this podcast can know more about you? Maybe your Twitter handle, but also some podcast you said you did over the weekend, maybe. Uh, yeah. So there's this guy called Hashim, uh, who's uh, who's a, a major Pakistani cricket fan, and his cricket fandom, uh, you know, very similar to mine, spans across. Uh, Many decades. So uh, he and uh, I got together along with Annie from Gorilla Cricket. You must be knowing Annie. Uh, so mm-hmm. Three of us did a little bit of a preview of the uh, World Test Championship final. So yeah, that's that's something that you can probably listen to on his uh, handle. I've also tweeted it out. It's uh, his handle is H A C H E D. I don't really know how he pronounces it. I have never really bothered to find it out, but his name is Hashim, and so that is something you can check out. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it was it was great to be there on that podcast as well. Perfect. And on Twitter, you are L Chopernos. Yes, I am very much so. Yes. And I think you are very well known on the let's say the Twitterverse that has uh, some guerrillas in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've been listening to them for uh, quite some time now, and uh, 
I mean, you you know it having listened to them for a long period of time. The kind of uh, commentary that they do is really special, really unique, and uh, you really feel a part of uh, you know a big group of uh, cricket fans around the world. So yeah, it's it's a it's a very special bunch of people who run the show and uh, who are fans of the show. So yeah, very glad to be uh, a part of the Gorilla Cricket family. Indeed, it's it's. I'm also one of the things I'm looking forward to is the Kerala cricket commentary for the World Test Championship final and uh, you know the India Tour of England. Let's yes. see. All right. Thanks a lot, and uh, see you around sometime soon. Thank you. Thank you, Ajit. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. This. is the armchair cricket podcast sit back and enjoy